Well, happy homecoming and welcome to this special homecoming edition of Chapel on the Grid today. Um, you can tune into Live Chapel every week uh, during the semester. We're, uh, we're, we're having in-person chapel from John White Chapel uh, every Wednesday, and we're doing it hybrid on campus. So students are in separate rooms, smaller groups, um, and so we can maintain measures and accommodations for COVID-19. Um, but this week uh, is a special week, and we wanted to do Chapel on the Grid this week. And um, glad that you can be with us. We're so grateful to our lead pastors, uh, Pastor Titus Martin and Pastor Will Baker. Uh, and they uh, take on the lion's share of the preaching and teaching during chapel uh, this year. Uh, you're stuck with me today, and, and we'll work through things together. Now, our theme uh, for chapel this year is really knowing God, and knowing God as He speaks to us uh, in conversation quite directly in the Scriptures. Uh, and so we'll be uh, pursuing that, that theme today. The question I'd like to start off with this morning as we move into uh, the message today is... What's the value of small talk? How do you think about small talk? Talking about the weather, greeting people. Um, I've never been strong at small talk. I, I, it's not the kind of conversation I love the most. And when I was in college, a lot of us sort of went through that stage where we said, well, you know, you ask somebody, how are you? And they say, fine. And you know, they're not really fine. Are they being deceitful? Are they, li are they lying? Um, but in communication as a study, we understand small talk as crucial to human communication. Uh, the technical term for it is phatic communication. And, and it's how people all over the world in all times of place and places have kind of greeted one another and acknowledged somebody else's existence. It's kind of a hard thing that the typical sort of greeting in the United States is, how are you? Um, when we say fine, we're really just acknowledging people's existence. We're not giving a report on our health status or how we're doing uh, in terms of our spirit. Other, other uh, languages and cultures, I think, do better. They you greet someone and you say, be well, <laughs> uh, and someone else says, uh, and you also, and, and, and it's not a status check. But really, small talk is, is incredibly important. Um, and this indicates uh, for us one of the kind of basic principles of communication, which is that really good relationships often start with distance, not with easy familiarity right away. Um, and we can think about in our own past many of our relationships that have grown and developed. And this is one of the things that makes interviewing so challenging. And it makes it challenging both for the person who's being interviewed and for the person who's interviewed. Um, uh, a lot of people at Geneva are studying human resources, uh, human resources management, human relations. Um, and, and so it's interesting to think about how important the hiring process is for us and how difficult it is to do that well. Um, and so one of the questions I always like to ask people uh, within different majors and places, and many of our alums have been involved in hiring processes uh, extensively, is um, what's your, what are your go-to passages in the scripture? 
What do you like to think about uh, when you look for biblical examples of people who are in HR situations, in interview situations, where they are having to meet somebody and having to make a critical decision about hiring or something like that? Well, I, I love um, the story of Samuel being called by God to go to Bethlehem and to go to the sons of Jesse, and God tells him that he will find the king that is supposed to replace Saul among the sons of Jesse. He's supposed to go there, find this person, and anoint him. And so he goes, uh, like you or I might go, he's going obediently. Samuel's a person like us. Uh, he, he's going, and, and he goes, uh, and he meets with Jesse, and he says, I, I need to meet your sons, and uh, out comes the oldest son, which, of course, the oldest son will be the first one, and the oldest son's name is Eliab, and Eliab comes into the picture in the scripture, and, and Eliab is basically a hunk. I mean, he is tall, he's strong, he's handsome, and Samuel says, this is the guy, this must be the guy. And the Lord said, no. In fact, uh, the Lord makes a very interesting comment. He says, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And as we think about who the Lord is together for a few minutes this morning, we want to think about this very important aspect of how the Lord understands and judges and considers each of us and all of us together. What I want to point out, first of all, is we have the same problem that Samuel had. Samuel really is people like us, and his first judgment is to look on the outward appearance, and that is not a right judgment. It's a, it's a common judgment. It's the same judgment you or I would have made, and he has to go through, there's quite a story uh, about how he finally gets to David, um, and, and, uh, and David is the right person, but uh, this is not something that we're immune to, and we need to hear God's word about it. And so today, we're going to look at a passage from John chapter 7, and I'll be reading for us from John 7, verses 14 to 24. Let me remind you as we read this, that this is the one living word that we can rely on. God's word is inerrant, it's infallible. It's completely, God is completely faithful in his word to us. And so it's trustworthy and it's alive, unlike any other word we read through our days. So this is John chapter 7, verses 14 to 24. Now, it's important as we read this to understand that uh, uh, just a bit earlier before this passage, um, Jesus had healed uh, a lame man on the Sabbath day. 
You might remember uh, the pool of Bethesda, and there was a man who was lame, and he couldn't get into the pool in time to be healed. And Jesus came to him on a Sabbath day, and he looked at him in love and said, take up your mat and take up your bed and walk. And, and the Pharisees objected strenuously to this. In their judgment, this was a violation of the Sabbath day. And so they had made a plot to kill Jesus. And so uh, that's in the background of this story. Jesus uh, had decided not to go into the, fe to the feast at Jerusalem. Uh, and then he comes into the feast into Jerusalem a little bit later. And that's where our reading picks up in John 7, 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but him, his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Jesus answered them, I did one deed, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. Sends the reading of God's holy word. And as we consider it together, uh, I want to remind us that Jesus has told us much about himself and a great deal about us. And we have a problem. We have a problem because we are inclined to judge by mere appearances. That's not something that's unique to any one person or personality type or culture. Our inclination, the inclination of our heart and our practice is to make judgments by appearances. So I'd like to make a couple of observations about this passage that can help us think about both that problem and about who God is um, and who God reveals himself to us to be through these words of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the first observation I want to make is that the desire of the Jews to kill Jesus is absolutely clear, but it's a secret conspiracy at this point. Jesus knows about it, but other people don't know about it, and the people who do know about it aren't being forthcoming about it. <laughs> so, so Jesus is, is not misled or misguided at all. 
He's absolutely spot on, and that's because of how he makes judgments. So he knows, and we're going to see this as it develops. Second, and this is very important for our discussion today, the circumcision issue that Jesus raises is a big optics issue for the Pharisees. Many of us are in conversations today where people are saying, well, what are the optics? You know, is this person or that person doing something in a way that's appropriate for the optics? Will it look right to people? Because we actually, many of us actually believe uh, that perception is reality. One of the things we need to hear from the scripture today is that that piece of conventional wisdom is mistaken. Perception is not reality. It's true that people will make judgments based on perceptions. It's true that people will make judgments based on mere appearances, but they're not good judgments. And we shouldn't let that be the guide of everything that we do. The Pharisees are worried about optics. They actually don't really believe in what's going on with circumcision, but they want to be seen as people who follow the law. And so if the law says they're supposed to circumcise and they're supposed to circumcise on the Sabbath, they'll do it because they're formalists. They want people to see the form. And they believe that people will grant them authority and respect if they see the right things in terms of the forms or the appearances. This is a, a, a massive mistake that the Pharisees are making. It's not that they shouldn't be circumcising on the Sabbath. But what it indicates is, first of all, that they're making a bad misjudgment about circumcision. Circumcision isn't primarily a form. It's a sign given to the Jews by God that indicates his covenant love for them. Circumcision in the Old Testament is talked about over and over again as a heart issue. The circumcision in the flesh was just a sign, an appearance on the outside of the circumcision that God would do of the heart on the inside of each person and of the community. So circumcision was a sign of God's love, his covenant love that they missed, in addition to this sign of God's redeeming love, was they were also missing Christ himself. In this conversation, they were missing Jesus. And he had told them what to expect. You can look at Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. They should have expected someone who was not richly clothed in robes and attractive like Eliab, but somebody who was humble and somebody who was not attractive uh, to the typical human eye to look at. But furthermore, um, Christ had told them about this very issue in his word in Isaiah 11. And so uh, I, I'd like you to hear Isaiah 11, 1 to 5, because it explains this very issue. Isaiah 11, 1 to 5, reads as follows. 
There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins. Now the first question you might want to ask me is, Dr. Trout, what's this business about killing the wicked in conjunction with Jesus? And we need to remember how God revealed himself earlier in uh, earlier chapter. We talked about the name of God. And the name of God is exactly what's reflected here. Steadfast love, mercy, redeeming power, forgiveness of iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. And you'll remember in that chapel that we've talked about the number of people that like the first part of the name of God, but not the second. We hear the same thing in this passage. We recognize Christ as himself, as God in this passage, because his mercy is clear and his justice is clear and his love for his people and his defense of his people is all clear here to us and so what we hear is that the lord our savior will operate in the fear of the lord and in god's righteousness so the basic teaching that we get from the Lord in his interaction with the Pharisees is really a simple basic teaching. Do not judge by appearances, but make a right or righteous judgment. This is easy to say and very difficult to do. What does this mean? Well, just a couple of thoughts about what we need to do. First of all, we're told to stop. Reject the conventional wisdom in ourselves. Stop judging by appearances. Perception is not reality according to the scriptures. Jesus does not judge by what his eyes see and what his ears hear. He makes a right judgment. And so, uh, the problem for us is that Jesus was able to know people's hearts. And he knows our heart. We don't have access to one another's heart. And that creates a problem for us. We can't be Jesus in that sense. We can be like Jesus in not making judgments based on appearances. So, here we are in the problem. What do we do? 
If we can't know other people's hearts, we have a hard enough time understanding our own hearts. What do we do? Well, the first thing we need to do is obey that command so that we can avoid the sin of partiality. One of the scriptures we've been meditating on in the um, Racial Reconciliation Task Force is James chapter 2. It talks to us about the sin of partiality. It talks about our desire to be associated with people who look good, who are wealthy, who are like we are, and who are the kind of people we want to aspire to be. We want to hang out with those people to the neglect of our neighbors. And God clearly teaches this as sin and something that we need to avoid together. So the first thing we need to do is we need to obey that. The second thing that we need to do is we need to look to the Lord and listen to Him. So we can't not see things, we can't not hear them, but rather than rushing to our own judgment based on those appearances, we need to ask our Father, how many of us as children or young people encountered a situation we couldn't understand, and we asked our father or our mother, what's happening? Or we asked a teacher, what's going on with this? Sometimes you have a feeling, a physical problem, and you ask your doctor, what's happening? And you wait, and you listen, and they explain it to you. That's what we have to do. And we always have to go to the same place. God, our Father, is completely reliable. And in all the matters, the major issues of life, in every relationship of life, the scriptures are clear and provide us with wisdom and guidance. And that's the source we can rely on to make a right judgment. That means that we need to be reading our Bibles regularly and faithfully. We need to be sitting under biblical preaching of God's Word. So we hear people who are studying God's Word, opening that Word up to us. We need to be in conversation with good friends and with our parents and with others who we trust, who know God's Word and can help us understand in very practical ways what God's wisdom tells us about how to interpret a situation, how to interpret a person in a difficult and stressful time. And so God gives us all of these resources. But the beautiful thing that we need to understand in the midst of all this is that although we can't know the heart of another person and we have difficulty knowing our own heart, God reveals his very heart to us in Scripture. We can become closer to God than to anyone else because he shows us his heart. Uh, one of the precious promises of God is that God has demonstrated his own love for us in this that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
for many of us, that is the beginning of our understanding of God's heart. And part of God's heart for us is to help us to understand and love one another from the heart. It's this heart-to-heart connection that the Lord is calling us to. Don't make judgments based on the surface. Get to know the heart of a person through me. Know my heart, and I will teach you about the hearts of the people that you interact with and that you live with, and how to love these neighbors, these family members, these people, this community. The Lord has been enabling people to do that wherever they are on the planet, as long as human beings have been alive. This is part of the nature of who God is as he reveals himself to us and as he gives himself to us. So we need to be very much like Samuel. Samuel is a wonderful example. He goes into a situation with the Lord. He starts out by making a judgment by by mere appearances. The same judgment I would make. The same judgment you would make. And the Lord says, no. He's listening to the Lord. The Lord says, no, not him. And Samuel listens and waits. And the Lord guides him to the right man, to David. To the David that will become the father and the son of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a a beautiful and wonderful thing. We cannot judge by mere appearances. And we're not left with nothing. We're left with the very heart of God. May his name be praised. Amen. And so as we conclude chapel this morning, uh, we like to conclude with uh, Psalm 117b. We're longing to get to sing this together in person. We haven't been able to do that. So I just ask you to join uh, us here as we sing 117b. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us.